This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss, Javon Edmonds. Ken Steele is on his way home for the holiday to lewis delaware right sounds right yeah southern delaware by the beach kyle javon happy thanksgiving eve gentlemen what's going on turkey eve excited javon i'm excited for you because we had this conversation about how you're gonna wait now are you and your mom cooking or are you not cooking and you're going elsewhere i walked in the house opened the fridge we are indeed cooking that's that's tremendous (laughs) yeah We'll talk. Uh, we've got some Thanksgiving mailbag questions too, uh, but Javon, I'm happy for you. But I'm glad you weren't sure if you're going to be home tomorrow morning. I guess, but you're home yeah. now. Uh, we've got some. We'll, we'll talk about some famous number 17s, and then we have to uh, address this Temple basketball team that everybody's upset about. Yeah, we got to do some work for a living. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <Famous> number 17. <laughs> um, Shohei Otani. Oh, is Jake yeah. Delhomme? Yeah. Jake wow. Delhomme. Right out of the right out of the was he game. he was the quarterback of the year they went to the Super Bowl in like 04, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um the one, one of the uh what were they called? The famous bees for the Astros, one of them. Uh Berkman, Lance Berkman, uh, 417. Um they, uh, the, the third baseman that Philadelphia loves to hate. Alex. No, he played oh. for the Phillies. Scott Rowland. Oh. Uh, does Philadelphia hate Scott Rowland now? I feel like the fans, like, once he left, they were like, because he said... I feel like that's St. turned. St. Louis is baseball heaven, stuff yeah. like that. But I feel like that's turned, because people are so like, oh, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they've, they've turned on that. Yeah. Um, The arch nemesis of Caden's roommate, Max Green, um, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why is he his arch nemesis? Just is he a Titans fan? Dolphins fan? Max is a Dolphins fan, and he just doesn't appreciate Ryan Tannehill. I personally right. think Philbin and Adam Gates held Tannehill back. Yeah, Tannehill's fine for a converted yeah. wide receiver. He's a pretty good NFL quarterback. Yeah. So out a now. this is embarrassing. I should know. Is Patrick Mahomes number seventeen? Fifteen. Fifteen. Never mind. Oof, Forget yeah. I said that. Stupid. Um, shot himself in uh, a nightclub. Classical bars. bars. Yeah. yeah, wearing sweatpants. Right? Didn't he yeah, have? So like... he had a loaded gun, no safety on, into the sweatpants. Yeah, like these. This will hold. <laughs> Brutal. Javon, is there? Did any he go chance... to jail for that? Because you can't have a gun in New York City. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, is there any chance of any relatives walking by the Zoom camera while we're recording, like your grandfather did? No, not today. So, like, since I'm at my mom's house, like when my door is closed, they know I'm most likely doing work and they just wait till I leave my room to bombard me with hugs and handshakes and food and alcohol. So see when my door was closed growing up, they did not think I was doing work. <laughs> see, 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 no, 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 no. See <laughs> the door closing was an 18 and up thing. Yeah. Before that. <laughs> Javon. Yeah. Before that, leave the damn door open. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Basketball. Went to some basketball. Yeah, what a segue. Um, well, 
guys, this is not good. Uh, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about in the mailbag here, but um, yeah, Temple goes up to the Empire Classic. Javon, you were there for for both games. Lost to St. John's and then lost and did not look good at all last night in a 61-49 loss to Richmond. So this is now a three and six. Well, no, two, two and four, four, two and four. Well, my math is way off. Two and four. Temple. I think you're thinking about football. Yes, I was. Thank you. Yeah, Which is three and seven. That's what we'll go. Three and eight. Yeah, three and six. Three and eight, yeah. Wrong. We should have. We're off to a great start. None, of us, are, uh, none, of, us, none of us are drinking. Are you drinking, Kyle? What is that, a ginger beer? It is, it is a Tuesday afternoon. I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it is a Wednesday afternoon. It is a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. No, I'm not drinking. Joe, I also thought I was drinking last night as so I was feeding my daughter. Yeah, because you said I'm, you said I'm looking for I'm looking uh, I'm missing one of Haley's bottles. And I thought you said I thought you said Bailey's, and I was like, wow, all right. Anyway, Business not good, season. not good. This team is uh, underachieving, uh, as Javon said, and I think in one of your tweets last night, it is very very clear that this team does not value the basketball. They have turned the ball over 69 times in the last four games since beating Villanova. Three of those four games, Damian Dunn's led the team in turnovers. With he had five against Vanderbilt, eight against Rutgers, six against St. John's, and of course he was, you know, prior to this stretch was leading the country in scoring for a brief amount of time. Uh, Caleb Battle had the most of any Temple player last night with with six. But again, if you're listening to this podcast, you are certainly frustrated, as I'm sure, unless you're really, really just blind optimist. Uh, Javon, I'll, I'll I'll start with you. You were there last night. You were you were there in uh, in Brooklyn at, at Barclays Center. Can this? I'll start with this because we know we we know the complaints. We'll get to it in the mailbag. A lot of standing around on offense, not taking care of the basketball. Yes, it's a long season, but we know that they've wasted. They squandered a, a couple of opportunities now to get big, you know, resume bolstering non conference wins. Can this get turned around? Like Aaron says in the press conference, he he like dissects the problem, but just it's not firing. We see Aaron McKee with a whiteboard drawing up stuff during timeouts. We know unless he's unless he's playing Wheel of Fortune, drawing stuff for his team, we know he's got to be drawing up something, and it's just not translating. Javon, again, you were there. You were up there covering both games. We see the obvious problems. Anybody could see it, but can this thing be turned around? It's a long season, but this just doesn't it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. They're not playing well. Last night was about as poorly as they played all season this early on. What what can anything be done about this? They get their leads, but then they blow them. So like I think the answer is clearly yes, they can turn it around. The problem is, in my eyes, I don't know how Kyle is gonna feel about it. It's too late. Like, it's not too late because there's so many games left. Like, if you can keep this – you can turn around and keep it going and win the conference tournament, sure, then you're fine. But if, like, you know, months from now, we're in March, and Temple did not win the AAC championship, then we can go back to this podcast and say, yeah, it was too late. Because all their chances at resume building wins in the non-conference, in my opinion, are gone, Right. And out of their four losses, at the moment, three of them don't look good. 
one of them can be excusable if Wagner wins the Northeast Conference this year. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the high pick and roll, you know, four out one in offense where everybody stands around, call a screen. Now all teams have to do is ice the screen and then your offense is stale and stagnant like Temples has been. And then last night, I mean, Richmond, listen, I, I want to give them their credit. They said straight up from the jump, Jamil Reynolds is not going to beat us. Mm-hmm. From the very first play, they were double teaming him. Mm-hmm. And three minutes in, Jamil got that look on his face that I've seen so many big men look at. Like, oh, goodness, they're double teaming me all night. It's going to be annoying. The hell with it. Guards, y'all going to have to do your thing. Like, they, they made it clear Jamil's not going to beat us. Zach can't create a shot for himself. Hysir's not a scorer. Dame has gone cold and can't handle the press. So, yeah, Caleb Battle, you take your 20 shots, you make 10 of them, you go 6 for 11 from three. That's all fine and dandy. But that's the only offense you guys are going to have, and you're not going to beat us. So, can it be turned around? Sure. Is it too late? If they don't win the conference tournament, then we can come back and say it was too late at this point. But, yeah, they, they something's got to give. The offense, I'm, I'm not a fan of. I hate the way basketball is played today, if anyone hasn't <laughs> noticed. And Temple's four out one in is a great example of it. Well, I mean, four out one in is also the reason that Matt Langle is successful up at Colgate. So like it, it can work and it, it can, can be work yeah. when you've got the right pieces for it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that they don't. Um I mean I think a couple of takeaways from that. One, I mean, I think the St. John's loss is quote unquote excusable from like a bracketology standpoint. Like yeah. that's like a fringe NCAA team that it's essentially a home game. Um the Vanderbilt game maybe ends up being fine. Like Vandy might be okay. It's really the Richmond game that like leaves a really sour taste in your mouth, right? Like that's a mediocre to bad A10 team that just like dominated you in the second half. I think a lot of it Not is just the second half. That 15-0 run to close out yeah. the first sure. half where you yeah. had 11 turnovers over the last eight minutes of a half. Right. That's but then they come but then they come back and they still take the lead in the second half and then blow it, right? Yeah. Like and then get like run off the floor with their lack of effort honestly for this is gonna sound really weird considering how last week's episode goes for as much ire caleb ballard drew over the last 10 days he's the only one that's willing to take a shot yep like at the end of the game he was the only one that was looking to actually get his shot on offense which if they had five more of him maybe they had a chance uh the 69 turnovers is tied for the fourth most in a four-game stretch in temple history the other three all happened during that first year of Fran Dumphy's team where it was just Deontay, Mark Tyndale, and Dustin Salisbury turning the ball over 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not ideal. I don't think it's too late. I think at Ole Miss is still a bracket, like a, a opportunity to get a win. Am I, do I think they're going to win at Ole Miss? I don't know, but I think Ole Miss is like a, another fringe team on the road. I don't think it's too late yet. And this, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't think this happens. But like if they win all the games they're supposed to win the rest of their out of conference, then they're gonna be like nine and five coming out of this out of conference. You got two wins in Nova and Rutgers that you think look better in March than they do now. You're probably okay with it. And the beginning part of their AAC schedule is weak, so maybe they're gonna win there. I still think they have some duds left in them, though. Like I don't I they basically have no margin of error left. And I think there's gonna be a game where it's like whether it's you know Drexel or Sal or Penn that like they should win, that they'll lose, and then that will be the end of their at-large bid hopes. 
LaSalle and Penn are the trap games to me, especially LaSalle. Like if mm-hmm. Dunphy does a let the sure. teacher oh, show yeah. the student how it's done type of game. Sure. Dunphy also just lost to a bad Georgetown team. Um, but he also beat Wagner, so you never know. Javon, mm-hmm. well, before we get to to Damian Don and, and his struggles, Aaron keeps saying in these press conferences, again, coaches can't there, – there's nothing – fans like it when a coach comes in and wins a press conference. I, there's nothing that Aaron could have said last night that – would make people make people feel better, but he keeps saying it's it's more about us. It's more about us. It's more about us. Well, what's wrong? Like, uh, is it again? We'll get into this in the mailbag too. But why are things not firing? If he if he can dissect all these problems correctly in the post game press conference, why are the two ends not connecting? What do you everyone, see? Everyone I've talked to said like, no, things just aren't clicking with the guys. Like, and. I think for the first time, I actually saw that last night. Like, in the second half, it wasn't the end of the game. I put out the tweet, though. Like, Aaron called a timeout, and the guys just looked defeated and demoralized yep. and uninterested. Mm-hmm. Like, he was clapping and trying to get their energy up, and they're just looking at him like, yo, I'm not trying to hear it. Like, just sit down. Let's go back to Philly at this point. That's a problem. And when each game – like, I know, basketball is a game of runs. I hate using cliches uh, as taught by John DiCarlo's sports writing class. But, like, <laughs> in each of these games, they go on, and it's exactly four minutes. And I'm going – at least three of those six games has been between the under eight and the under four of the first half where they coast and they let teams just find a rhythm and never rebound from it. Like I think yesterday was the worst because it went on. It went on for eight minutes. Temple went on a scoring drought that lasted four minutes and fifty-eight seconds. You go eight minutes of eleven turnovers, fifteen over on. Uh, it wound up ending as a twenty-to-five run to close out the half. Like stuff like that just can't happen. Like at that point, I know the guys have to go out there and perform, and they need to show some dog. I'm not disputing that whatsoever, but. If there is a problem that shows up in every game, then you have to start looking at the staff. Like, come on, man. What what are these huddles looking like? What are these game plans looking out? Like, I'm not seeing anything that says you are putting effort into trying to get rid of these problems. I'm, I'm not understanding. And, and now teams know full court trap all game, double team rentals all game. I'm not sure if – like, Temple now has to show that they can win going against that defense. And until they prove it, they can expect to see that for the rest of the season. Full court trap, double team Reynolds, let KB jack all the shots he wants, because that's going to be the only form of Temple's offense. Yeah. So getting getting back yeah, to I, real oh, quick, go ahead, Kyle, I, go ahead, I, I know we, we talked about this the entire offseason or last two years that this team's going to go as far as the ability for Caleb Battle and Damian Dunn to play together. And so far, the only game they've both gone over 20 was the upset at Villanova. Other than that, they just have not played well together. I think if you wanted to focus on like one play that maybe shows some of those problems, the end of the first half against St. John's, they get the ball back with 10-11 seconds. I think they're down by two. They get the ball into the half court. Caleb Bell looked to McKee for the play. I don't want to focus too much on one play. Damian Dunn, one, didn't look to his coach. Two, didn't look to any other player. Just dribbled the clock out and then turned the ball over with two seconds. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know how like much of that's by design. Like I don't know if the play was always going to be like Dame just like run the clock out and try to see if you can get to the rim. But like literally, KB looked for the play. Dunn might as well have been playing one on five. He had no idea what else was going on there. So you know, like in in the St. John's game, like that that last minute of fifteen was bad. Like you take the Brutal. lead, then High Seer gives up the end one to Curbelo. Then the very next play, Dame dribbles the ball off his foot. And that's he's it. Eight oh one. As everybody stand as everybody's standing around as well. It was just an ugly, ugly possession. So that's I mean, I still I hell, let's give a little bit of credit to I mean I, I know this is kind of obvious. Will Cummings, former Tumble Great, tweeted last night if Dunn and, and um Battle don't learn how to play together, it's gonna be a long season. Like I think it's obvious even to people that are a little bit of like outside observers that obviously know the program but don't know this regime that they just do not mesh well at this point. Mm-hmm. So after you know Damian Dunn goes for twenty nine against Wagner, twenty two in the sixty eight sixty four win over Villanova, thirty eight career high thirty eight against Vanderbilt, and at that point he was again very early on the leading scorer in the country. Since then, seven against Rutgers on one of six shooting in twenty eight minutes. 11 against St. John's on three of 12 shooting, one of six from three. Again, in those two games, eight turnovers against Rutgers, six against St. John's, and last night, 14 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, one point that he gets at the line, only one turnover last night. But he has played poorly in these last three games. Aaron was asked about him last night, about how how does he get Dame right, and this is what Aaron had to say after last night's game. Coach, you know, obviously, you know, Damian Dunn has started off the season really well, but struggled tonight only at one point, you know, struggled in you know, the last few games. How do you get him back on again? And just, you know, st- stick with it. Um, trust in him and believe in him and uh, let him know that. Um, he'll figure it out. He's been playing basketball for a long time. He'll figure it out. But, you know, we need, we need him out there. We need his leadership. We need him on the offensive side. We need him on the defensive side. He's one of our, you know, our playmakers, and um, you know we need him out there, so we'll we'll work through that. All right, let's uh, let's go over to the mailbag uh, before we talk about this Temple football team because there's a, a lot uh, a lot to uh, a lot to a lot to get to here. And look, just read something funny from Kyle in the script here. Um, I'll acknowledge this because it cracks me up. Uh, JHG722, every time there's a, well, not every time, a lot of times after a tough loss, he just writes, why? Knew it was coming. We're getting to that, JHG722. Uh, next question here, shifting gears for a second off topic. Uh, to you, Alice fan 2004 what's the pie situation looking like at your respective Thanksgivings? Let me start this off by saying my wife felt, an, you know, like Costco has like the loss leader, like, pies like the pumpkin pie you can buy like a massive pumpkin pie for like five bucks which they're like they lose money on but they do it just like get you in the store meg came home with one of those massive puts in the fridge on like sunday felt the need to tell me you cannot eat that pie prior to thanksgiving as if i was going to be out there like monday night with like just scooping it as if you're just a heathen i was like i don't know it's like oh yeah like oh there's in there kyle Kyle's a dumb animal it's in front of him he's gonna (laughs) eat it like no like i know i can understand that that's for thursday Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll. My sister will make an apple pie. We have pumpkin pie. We're big, like we get the little like cakes as well. So we'll have mm-hmm. a fair amount of treats. Javon, mm-hmm. what about you? Uh, I mean, as far as like just the the cuisine, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I texted somebody today how much we eat, and like apparently I got looks like 
looked at it like I was crazy. But for pie, it's apple and sweet potato. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Leave it at that. Who makes the sweet potato pie in your family? Um, my mom makes Whoever's hosting makes it. Like, mm-hmm. we just family full of people that can cook. That's I love stuff. it. Uh, I think there's another Thanksgiving question. Oh, yeah. Two, two later. Uh, another one, just pure emotion, Al079, JDC, how much more suck can Temple fans tolerate? These were, uh, I put the call out from Bellbag questions last night at just the right time. Um, eh, we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. <laughs> Look, I've said this about Temple football fans for 15 years. I think it takes a special type of person to deal with the amount of suck that like Temple football dealt with for such a long period of time <laughs> and still keep coming back. So, like, just know that those of you out there that are dealing with this suck with basketball and football, but football, I guess you're a little more optimistic. If there's ever a, a bright moment in Temple's future, you will have earned it for going through. The amount of days when I get to the pearly gates and I look and say, how many days did I waste watching bad basketball on, like, a Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Watched a lot of bad bad college basketball in my life. <laughs> um. Next question here, C.H. Evans, the screen name. These are all from our, our message boards. Uh, another Thanksgiving question. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? John, you never, you never answered the pie question. Oh, uh, apple and pumpkin. I think my, my brother and sister-in-law are bringing the pies over. I feel like I am I want to make a pie tonight, and I'm just like not going to get around to it. I once mm-hmm. accidentally made... What uh God it was like four years ago, Todd's lucky and his family came over and he takes a, a piece of pie. He's like, Johnny, this is very good, very spicy, a little different. I like it. And it was because I accidentally spilled nutmeg in like in the pie. And my the Chelsea just heard me going, Oh crap, crap. She's like, What'd you do? I was like, the cap was off, nutmeg. I just had to spread it out. She's like, just go with it, see what happens. Everybody's like, This is different. I was like, Yeah, it's different because I spilled nutmeg all over it. So never try to replicate that though. Because like yeah. one day you're like, I'll do my spicy pie recipe. And they're like, Jesus Christ, is this cayenne yeah. pepper? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it'll just be the standard ones. Although I would, I don't think I've had sweet potato pie in a few years. Uh, somebody brought to work and it was just incredible. So, uh, but usually, usually apple and uh, and pumpkin. Uh, favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Oh, the mac and cheese. Um, it, it's not even a question for me. Like candy yams are definitely second, but. Mac and cheese is just undefeated. Yeah, stuffing, green, green bean casserole. I will say, I growing up, I really liked cranberry sauce, like the the canned cranberry sauce, and I still enjoy it. But for some reason, it's gotten in my mother in law's mind that like I eat cranberry sauce fifty two weeks of the year. So <laughs> like I have like four or five cans of like the jellied cranberry sauce in my cat in my my pantry because my mother in law thinks like, oh, Kyle will like that, and he'll give it, she'll give it to me. Like even tomorrow, somebody will make a comment like, Kyle, you're gonna get more cranberry sauce. I'm like, I just I just enjoy it one day a year. <laughs> you know Claire McNicholas is like on my Mount Rushmore. You know I love her. Yeah. Thank you for uh doxing my my mother-in-law <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I was listening to the scoop. I heard you guys talking about like, whatever. She's a legend. I love her. Um it's stuffing from my my mother-in-law's stuffing is incredible. And she made mac and cheese that I already got to uh taste test very very good stuff um oh that's cheating you can't taste yeah, test you gotta, you gotta wait till the day of yeah, yeah, yeah i agree well, with that boo <laughs> just booed me like it's very innocent like childlike boo but it, it it hit me right here i was uh, hoping to i was hoping to see more of those last night with the sixers game yeah said they're relatively tame 
Yeah. Um, predictions to you, Al's 37 asks us also on the message board here, predictions on how the season plays out. I think they do go on a bit of a run, to be honest. Like, not not anything of consequence. I just think the schedule is so easy for the next month that, like, you can get by with either KB or Dunn just playing hero ball. Or Jamil Reynolds is going to have some game where he's going up against a six foot six big, and he's just going to be able to drop 25 and 10, right? I just think the issue is they're going to be able to mask a lot of their deficiencies, and then they're going to get into conference play, and they're just going to, like, all those deficiencies are going to come back. So I'll say they I'll say they finish like 17 and 15, and you go, okay, no chance. Do you want to go to the CBI? No. 17 uh, 15. Oof. Oof, the CBI. You know, and I'm at the point in life where, like, I'm such a small fish where I'd have to be – like, I'd, I'd have to cover that. And wouldn't they wouldn't go. To say no. they, they wouldn't go. Um, CBI, CBI, you have to pay to yeah. participate in. So they wouldn't yeah, go. no. Um, oof. Man, I, I I really like hate feeling like a negative Nancy or like Debbie Downer, especially this time of year. It's huh. like I want to be festive and cheerful and huh. happy go lucky, but like this weekend left a sour taste in my mouth. Like I asked Aaron about it. I'm like, this is two seasons in a row where you went one and two in Feast Week. You know, last year got ran off the floor by Boise State and Clemson, and you got to win against Elon. Woohoo! And this well, year, like. Well, I mean that's a good a good callback on your point. At the time, people thought that Boise State loss was going to be some dagger, and Boise State was probably the best team they played out of the conference. Oh yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe Richmond figures it out and it doesn't look too bad. In the... Yeah, because Richmond is that team, the A ten. Like they just go on a streak in the middle right. of the season where they get hot, and then it's in February where you're like, okay, fellas, it's looking like you might let yourselves down again. And March comes, and yep, the spiders are shot themselves in the foot. Um, but yeah, but and then this year, like you know, Villanova was Villanova, they're banged up. You start feast week on Friday against a banged up Rutgers, and then you see the St. John's team that's not to be trifled in, right? And you blow a lead, and then you look flat against Richmond. I don't have faith in the team right now. I'm not going to say NCAA tournament, I guess I'll say a semifinal exit in, in the conference tournament. And I don't know. If they, if they They've beat, got a chance at the NIT. If they had beat St. John's and like lost to Syracuse or whatever it was, then like everyone would just be like, okay, this team's still on a seesaw. Like they're figuring it out, blah, yeah. blah. It's the fact that like you miss the opportunity, whatever, and you get smacked by Richmond. You're kind of at a fork in the road where I know I'm going to get like crucified for saying this because like that 2000, 2001 team played Duke twice and, you know. Mm-hmm. And Indiana, all this, but like that team also started four and seven and then made the sweet 16. So like, it's not un, it's not unheard of that like teams start bad and go 2001 team, the 2000 to 2001 team, right? That would, they went to the elite, they made the elite eight. eight. Yeah. Which to get to the elite eight, you also have to make it to the sweet 16. Job. So, <laughs> so, so that was factually correct. You were texting. Well, like, yeah. Um, like they, they started four and seventh and they reel off and they get high at the right time. Do I yeah, think I'm, this team's going to do that? No, but like, yeah. it's just so early that you never know. The, I, I do want to go ahead. I, I do want to add and interject as somebody who um made the trip. You know, I'm going to say thank you to the good people at the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, uh, fed us chicken, fed us steak, fed us pasta. You know, um, fed us <laughs> maple glazed salmon. Wonderful. The press room <laughs> coordination, like it was a tight shift they ran. We were on the floor. 
and then we get to Brooklyn. Um, number one, St. John's and Syracuse, these should not be counted as neutral site games. Yeah, right? that's that's mm-hmm. horseshit. I agree. Th- those were home games, okay? Mm-hmm. And and the way they scheduled that thing was specifically to get those two teams mm-hmm. in the final and try to sell out. Well, not even yeah. sell out because they had like the top row cut off, but sell some tickets to the Barclays Center. Um, that's number one. Number two, no fool. Number three, I thought Baltimore, like the Orioles and the Ravens were expensive until I got to Philly and saw how expensive they were. And then I got to Barclays Center. And Lord have mercy, $7.50 for a water. Yeah, Empire Classic, thanks, but possibly not again for a long time. Okay. Wait, like, wait, I, like, wait, no, like, like as like a press member, you had to spend $7.50 for yes. water? Yes. No, no media meal at all? No voucher, no media meal. Huh. See, that's interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, it has to be because of the the event. Because like I've covered plenty. I covered games at Barclays that they feed you perfectly fine. Huh. So so yeah, Empire Classic. You know, just thank you, but yeah, I'm cool off y'all for a little while. But like, you're also in like a decent like area of the city for like food. So like, that's one of the things. Like, if you go back in the future, like you just know, like go get Thai food down the street or something. Like, yeah. don't don't rely on Barclays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I see the season playing out? Say what you mean, John. Don't NIT, NIT at best right now. I mean, the only I the only saving grace for them, and again, I, I'm kind of couching this like Kyle does. That I do I see this? Do I see it playing out this way? No, you go on a run, but I mean, you go you start with okay, you you start cleaning things up against Drexel. You beat Lasalle. How good of a win would VCU be at this point? Um, you got then St. Joe's Penn. I, I like you'd have to go on a run, and then you have Houston on the road, and then you get them back in two weeks. If you win one of those games and they're still a top five program, that's the I think that's the only thing winning one of those two games that would make a believer out of out of anybody would give them a shot in the arm, and if they play well enough and you say all right maybe this team's got a shot at doing something in the conference tournament i think it now comes down to you have to prove that you can beat houston in one of these two games to have some confidence heading into the conference tournament otherwise it's an nit season at best at this point i'm I'm with you guys it's kind of hard to have faith in things turning around it is early Yes, I think of that 01 team. It was more than 20 years ago. That was not Cheney's best team. And I mean, they were they were a, a Lynn Greer call away from not going to the NCAA tournament. We've talked about it before. Lynn Greer at the spectrum gets fouled, taking a three. Tom Penders just absolutely loses his crap. They beat GW, they beat a bruiser flint UMass team, and then they go on a run and they get hot at the right time. It would it would have to be have to be something like that, but there's a, it, for for the next six weeks, the only game that can move the barometer in a positive way mm-hmm. is at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Every other game that you win between now and probably like the Tulane game is literally just going to be like, oh yeah, well they should have won that game. Yep. Yeah. So that's the thing that they go got going gets for you. Like you might still be able to figure out a good win loss record, but like you've lost those opportunities to kind of like sway public opinion and committee opinion. Yeah. Uh, this next one comes from Park Al. Um, he's having some fun with me here because he 
post the mailbag question last week Hell after this <laughs> on, on on time and i we just didn't get to it dear mr i'm too good to answer more than two mailbag questions battle was benched earlier this you didn't do it to the stan lyrics dear mr too good they, like he's saying like dear mr i'm too good to write back my fans like he's like referencing the stand oh lyric. yeah and he put that he put that he put that up on on the boards too um Battle was benched earlier this season. Donovan Reynolds were seemingly benched tonight. I, I don't know if Jamil Reynolds was seemingly benched. That this was, you know, last night. What is going on with McKee's doghouse? Javon, did you get the sense that Aaron was upset with Jamil, or was it just like a hey, this isn't working? We gotta get him yeah, out of there. Jamil didn't get um, yeah, let me see. Who who said Park Owl? Um love you. Um, dear Mr. I'm too good to answer more than two mailbag questions was something. Mm-hmm. Um but no, Jamil didn't get benched. Dunn didn't get benched. Like, I got the well, opinion that Jamil was upset with the game. Like his body language, whenever they showed him on the yeah. bench, was bad. But like, no, they were ineffective. Dame right. was ineffective. So you sit him down. That's just basketball coaching. That's not benching. That's not a doghouse. Right. And Jamil was the. Do you like want I to tell? Earlier. Do you want? Do you want to talk to last week, Javon, and tell him that because you're arguing the other side of? Hold on, of wait, 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 wait. The KD situation. <laughs> I will stand ten toes on it was different. Um, <laughs> and with the Jamil one, that wasn't a doghouse thing. Like that was, I I feel like this one is one of those ones where like if you didn't play basketball, like you wouldn't understand. But like no dominant big men, there are games in every season. Like if you watch the Sixers. I'm sure Embiid has these all the time when, like, he's just either getting double teamed or fouled all night. And it's like, yeah, it's just not going to be his night. Just bring him down because it's just not going to do much for you. That's what happened with Jamil last night. Like, me, you just got to sit him. Let me ask you this, Javon. Like, from rear view, could he have been better? Could he have been A, better at passing out of double teams? And B, were the other four guys on the floor ready to receive those passes and moving? And was the spacing there? Was it just all completely messed up? No, no, it was so I, I I have one of the plays like picture perfect in my mind. Four out one in, two guys on the corner, two guys on the wing, Jamil's on the left block, pass comes, Richmond's in zone. And like where they were bringing the double from, there's nowhere to pass it to an open man. Like you're just passing it right back to mm-hmm. a contested guy and mm-hmm. going into more swing, swing, swing that's eating the shot mm-hmm. clock. And like, no, Richmond just executed it. Mm-hmm. perfectly like this is how you ice the big man out of the game mm-hmm. you put your fastest off ball player to come double team and then he gets back mm-hmm. and it's just repeating the same thing mm-hmm. so like there was nothing jamil could have done last night your richmond yeah. just executed perfect defense on a big man that's it mm-hmm. yeah um al i 89 another uh another just just pure emotional question does this horror movie end <laughs> everything ends al yeah, everything ends eventually including just- life we all just go back to the dirt, man. Like eventually, this will go away. Yeah, it ends. Uh, again, the best I can see is an NIT bit at this point, but I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Mike TB31. Pretend you are the AD at Temple. We lose to Dumphy and LaSalle and are sitting at two and six. Are you making a coaching change? Uh, I- I'm not. At, I'm not at that moment or like later on. I'm reading it as like at that moment, like if I'm just taking this literally, no, they're not, they're not making a coaching change. Is it, uh, again, Hey, I I think people can, people were ready for a change by the time it was France last season. 
Fran got them to the tournament plenty of times. We know the drill by now. Could have won a couple more NCAA tournament games. Fran Dunphy's still a, a very, very good basketball coach. If it, if they lose to Fran Dunphy and LaSalle, yeah, it's going to sting. And that's no knock on Dunph. Not at all. I, I, Fran's great, but obviously he's trying to rebuild LaSalle for the next guy there. If you lose to to Fran Dunphy and LaSalle, yes, it's it adds insult to injury because it's the former coach. Fran didn't even have eyes on that job. I get it. They're not making a change. They're going to, I would have to think that they're going to allow Aaron the opportunity to get things right this season. Will he? I don't know. They're not making a coaching change at that point. It doesn't look great, but no. I think, um, I think it was Shiz I was looking at on Twitter Mm -hmm. who, um, yeah, he was going back with one of our scoop guys. Uh, no disrespect. I can't remember who it was. Um, and Shiz is telling them, like, no, I think he gets a fifth year. Uh, and, and, like, I don't want to say making excuses for Aaron's four years, but, like, I'm kind of done with hearing COVID. I, that's just me. Like, I'm sorry, but all 300-plus Division One programs mm-hmm. dealt with yeah, COVID. I think, I think it was a valid excuse for that season because, like, they did yeah. face more restrictions than any other program everyone wants in the city but like no there's COVID does not impact yeah like no this this year it's just like no the team's underperforming and Kyle you brought up this point and like I love you for it like it's either extend him after year four or let him go because you don't you don't bring in a lame duck coach you're not getting recruits off of that it's just a lot that you don't get in college with a lame duck coach so no if you lose the Dunphy and LaSalle and the season continues to go boom, down, then I think, you know, in April, May, Aaron McKee has stepped down from Temple and right. the search is on. So I think that's the important thing to call out is when I'm saying, like, I I think there's a fork in the road, you either extend them or you, you you let him go. I think it's more that in the let him go situation. I think it's like you have, like, there, there would be a conversation with Aaron, like, look, you're one of, like, the university's favorite sons. Maybe there's an NBA landing spot for you. I was on the bench, or maybe you just want to take your ball and go home. Like I, I find it hard to believe they would just straight fire Aaron McKee at any point. I definitely don't think it'll happen if he loses to LaSalle and goes two and six. If Rod Carey got to coach out the year, Aaron McKee will get to coach out the year yeah. under this athletic administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, especially with like basketball, stop. with like basketball, like you can always get hot and figure it out. Like mm-hmm. football, it's like, yeah, the writing was on the wall so early on that season with Rod Carey, like they could have fired them five weeks earlier and they did, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like fans will fans will stop coming out, of course. I mean, do they Leah come Corson out now? Is, <laughs> say the Leah Corson is already, as right. Rothstein labels it, a library. Um, but like you, you just don't get rid of her. I'm not a firm believer of getting rid of a college basketball coach with a decent roster in the also, middle of the season. Also, uh, the way that transfer windows work now is December 1 through December 15th is when college basketball players can enter the portal. Yeah. If you fired uh, Aaron McKee after a November 30th loss to LaSalle. Yeah, a lot. What's stopping a, a lot of those field. guys being like, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. Like, granted, a lot of them are going to leave anyway because, like, whatever. Some of them are 50-year sophomores. But some of those guys are, like, maybe developmental pieces or future pieces might be like, screw this. Let me get a head start on this and get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, the hick from uh the mess again, all these are from the our hick from French Lick. <laughs> uh Larry Bird, Alscoop.com subscriber. Uh fired off about five million mailbag questions. We love him for it. And I said, Can you narrow this down? He said, just pick which ones. We're gonna pick one here in the interest of time. 
One of his questions was, why does Aaron McKee have no successful sets offensively, defensively, out of bounds, out of timeouts? Devon, are you, are you, are you seeing that? I know that's a common, I feel like every, I feel like every, you know, sometimes you see those memes on social media, like this is what dads are saying about games. And again, I'm seven here. Yeah. I'm not saying, yeah, need it, need it. Need a touchdown heading into the half. Need a need a which big... I'm also guilty of. In my oh opinion. yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like the most common complaint of basketball fans is this coach stinks out of timeouts. That they they came came up with that out of a timeout. So I realize it's a common complaint. Again, I'm not saying the staff is doing a great job right now, but like, are you seeing that, Javon Kyle? Are you seeing that 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 the staff is not drawing up successful sets out of timeouts, whether it's offensively, defensively, or an out of bounds play? I love this question because I'm big on coaching trees and like the coaches I'm the biggest fans of the biggest fan of excuse me like usually come from coaching trees and and Jensen so in the Vanderbilt game Jensen was writing a column Stackhouse Aaron you know boom 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 whatever um and he asked Aaron he was like you know you played for Larry Brown Jerry played for Larry Brown did you notice him running any of Larry's old sets and Aaron, like, distinctly points one out, like, the exact action and everything. And it got my gears going. And it was something I thought about earlier in the season, but, like, not to this extent. Aaron's been around some guys and played for some guys. I don't see him mimic his former coaches. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't run Cheney's zone. Mm-hmm. I don't see Which is hard, which is, in fairness, very, it's very hard. Basketball, yeah. It, yeah. it definitely is, but like I'm saying, like that's just the most prominent example. Right. Narrowing right. things down. Like right. I don't see Cheney's zone, and I can't see, I can tell you, John Cheney's offensive playbook. Like, have I looked back at the making days and the McKinney? It wasn't super complicated. It was yeah, no, more... like I haven't. So, yeah. like, I'm just going off of what I can tell you. He doesn't run Cheney's zone. I don't see any of Phil's offense. Granted, no one runs the triangle anymore. But, like, even Phil had some sets outside of the triangle. I don't see Phil's sets. He also played 24 games for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that too. Yeah. And I don't see I don't see Larry's sets. Like, I, I don't see Aaron mimic his former coaches. So that's a good question. I think that might be what it is. Like, he tries to do his simplified, overly simplified offense that, you know, this team, quite frankly, isn't talented enough to run. Um. Mm-hmm. So I agree with this sentiment. He he does struggle with his offensive sets. Yeah, I, I, he needs to start big barring and stealing. That's a great point. I don't see him running much of Dunphy's offense either, which I don't think was also complicated whatsoever. Uh, I, but, I like, do think I do think Dave Duke. Sorry to cut you off, Kyle. Uh, Dunfran. I mean, in in some of Cheney's later years, from 01 to 06, I can remember a specific game. And, and as as Cheney's as Temple started to kind of just go downhill a little bit and they didn't do much of anything from 01 to 06. And they were bringing in guys like Tyreek Byard and Mario Tabron. I mean, they got, I can't remember if it was 03 or 04. Uh, Temple went to play Penn at the Palestra and Dunf just cleaned their clocks by like 25 or 30. He had like Mark Zoller, Klatsky, guys like that, but just beautifully moving the ball around. And they had, when on Dunf's staff, Dave Duke was kind of like his, not in name, but like an offensive coordinator. Dave Duke was a yeah. very, very good offensive coach. And they did run a lot of crisp offensive stuff. I, I want to bring this back to this because, again, relatively speaking, a lot of a lot of college programs aren't running super complex stuff. It's a lot of coaches do like to say, hey, we kind of want to try to mimic what the NBA is doing, give our guards some freedom 
But the ones who go deep in March, like, don't focus on that. They're like, no, run my system. Right, I've been running right. with this for 20 years, and they right. go far. The Mark right, Hughes, exactly, the Tom exactly. Izzo's, the Greg McDermott's, mm-hmm. like, they have clear systems, right. and they work to perfection, and can those you, are the teams you see make the deep runs all the time. Right. So can you, like, if Aaron is saying, Javon, like, if he's saying, again, like I said this before, there's too much standing around. That Well, like, we all know what the problem is. What can you do between now and Drexel? What can you do between now and the conference tournament? Do you literally like it? Like, are we led to believe he's going to be like, all right, guys, we got to develop an offensive system. What, what do you do offensively to yeah, fix yeah. this? No, I got a story for you. So um, earlier this year, I was talking to Chris Crutchfield. Chris Crutchfield was an assistant under uh, Lon Kruger at Oregon, not Oregon, Oklahoma. He's the, he, he's the one who got them, Buddy Hill and Trey Young. Um, mm-hmm. He was at Oregon last year. Um, and now he's the head coach of Omaha this year. Uh, before all that, he worked for Lou Henson when Lou was at New Mexico State. And he told a story. He's like, they go to Popeye's. It was Lou Henson's favorite restaurant. <laughs> He'd go to Popeye's, but he couldn't eat the skin because it's cholesterol. And his wife would fuss at him all the time. So, like, he'd rip the skin off, eat his Popeye's, and then he'd just start jarring up plays on napkins. And, like, the next, next day in practice, they're going over those plays. And, like, it's a part of their playbook for the rest of the season it's that simple go to Popeye's peel off the skin off some chicken and draw some plays on the napkins like no implementing a system is not as tedious as people think in in basketball like if you're playing d1 basketball you're supposed to have the mental capacity to pick up on some plays like granted you can have some slip-ups and this is where high seer being the point guard is the one who has to memorize the whole offense it's really on his shoulders to like tell people no, this is your this is your role in this action or this set. But no, like you can sit down. Him, Chris Clark, and Jimmy Finnerty can sit down this weekend mm-hmm. and draw up a whole bunch of plays and start implementing them in practice and see those plays get implemented on Sunday. So it, it's that simple. Go to Popeye's, rip the skin off some chicken, eat I've it. Got one five minutes, I've got one five minutes. I've got one five minutes five minutes away on the over by City Line Avenue. We'll meet them over there. It'll be great content. Two things. Yeah, Apparently, you can buy a Popeye's turkey this year, $60. It's a fully cooked t- turkey that Popeye's made for you. Probably delicious. Uh, two, I, let's not pretend they're not doing this, right? No, I know. Like, yeah, like they're professional basketball that's coaches. Gonna, that's like, what I was going to say. Is so, so like, they can't not have yeah. – I, I guess I'm just sitting here, again, like trying to like get rid of all the cl- – and, Javon, like everything you're saying makes total sense. But, like, right. we do. We see him drawing up stuff. Like, we, they can't not have sets. But, it's, like, how do they have sets and, like, they literally just go out and look like that? The other see, thing is- that's That would be my question. Is that the case? Is it guys are waving him off? Like, no, we're not running that. Pulling a straight Magic Johnson of, no, Paul Westfall, I'm not running your plays. Or is it like his plays just are that basic and they don't help? Like, I'd have to be in depth in practice every day to mm-hmm. see that. So the thing is, like, he also mentions defense in this. And last year, they had a good defensive presence. Like, they yeah. had an identity on defense. And that's kind of what, like, masked a lot of their problems in offense. They were bad on offense last year, too. Like, this isn't anything new, right? Like, they've been right. bad on offense since Aaron McKee took over. The difference is a couple times, like, you had um, you had Quentin Rose your first year that could kind of get you a buck. And then you were good on defense that got passed, that made people look past this stuff. So, like, I don't know what happened. I think a lot of it, honestly, like, I know we're talking a lot about the coaches. I think a lot of it goes back on the players. I really yeah. do. I think a lot of it's just, like, 
this is a team that when things are going well, everything looks fine, everyone looks yeah. happy, and they're happy to be out there, and they're playing. The second something goes bad with this team, they crumble. They crumble. And not just on the court, like, Jameel Reynolds and Damian Dunn did not look interested in the game at the end of the ha- at the end of the game. Like they just seem like they just completely they, they get punched in the mouth and falls apart. And I think at a certain point, like there's only so much a coach can do with that. I think it has to be player driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what separates good and great players. Like sure. good players will get off to hot starts and then teams will do their scouting reports and like, okay, we're not going to let those guys beat us, formulate a defense against us. The good players will, oh, well, the game plan to Ramley. Not going to be my night. Somebody else take over. The great players will be, all right, if they're going to double me from these angles, I need to get to this spot at this time, or I need to get the ball to this person at this time and relocate to this spot at this time. Like, they figure out ways of, okay, I just have to speed up. Dame didn't do that in Jamil. It's harder for big men to do it, but so I'll give Jamil a, slot, a pass for right now, but Dame has to start realizing that. Like, okay, every time I get the ball at the wing, they're going to meet me at the elbow with the double. So I need to either be ready for a skip pass or I need to pass and cut back door before the next double comes or something. And and I do want to be fair, back to the playbook thing. We do go to practice at least once a week. Like, no, they do spend a good 15 minutes, like, just going straight through sets mm-hmm. and making sure, like, those things are crisp. I think that's where I'm on Kyle's side of this, the players thing. Dame, high seer, y'all bring the ball up. Instead of just worrying about getting the ball past half court through these traps, get it through and then set up the offense. That's a point guard's duty. Aaron can't call the plays all game like he's human. He's Mm -hmm. going to forget some stuff. He's going to be focused on some other things. Mm -hmm. Jimmy can't scream all game. Chris can't scream all game from the sideline. I see Dame at some point you have to take command as the point guards and set up the offense and facilitate the playbook. It is your responsibility to have the best knowledge of the playbook on the roster and run it effectively. So it is a it is a 50-50 of player and coaching staff with Temple's problems. A uh, few more to get through here. Diamond and Broad from the message board. When McKee took over, I expected a culture change and a big change in the product on the floor. While the talent level has improved, the product remains stale. Do you think Aaron's coaching has improved at all in the past four years? Let's, Why does this team run answer, offensive sets? Let's answer that part because I think the rest of it we've kind of touched on. Do yeah. we think Aaron McKee's coaching has improved over the last four years? Well, uh, I mean, how can you how can you say it has right now when they're where they are? I mean, part of it is all I the say coaches. Yes. I want to say yes. Right. Um, and I know I've been like not the biggest fan of how the ship's been run this season. But, like, come on. We're, we're, we can't just stole last season away. You lose right. KB yep. and you look lost for two games, and then all of a sudden you have formulated a system mm-hmm. to let the team thrive in his absence. Like, no. Yep. Aaron definitely is a better coach right now than he was when he started the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm yeah. not going to say he hasn't and just simply say it's because of the talent. No. Aaron has proven that he can – coach basketball last Mm -hmm. season was almost a master class of it if they don't melt down against Tulane in the conference tournament like I would say he did put on a master class of no he can coach without you know great talent so I'm not just going to disregard that has he dropped off a bit from last year to this year maybe I won't like maybe but I'm not going to sit here and say he hasn't improved that's just flat out false and unfair 
Mm-hmm. I agree with all that. I mean, I think even the Tulane thing last year, they were just leaking oil by the end. Like that team was yeah, and guys got hurt they, in that game. They were so hurt by the end of the mm-hmm. year. Like, and the fact that they made it as far as they did and went 17 and 14 or whatever with that was, yeah, like a, a very good coaching job with his part. So I would agree with pretty much everything yeah. he said. And I'm kind of amending the question here because this isn't what Diamond and Broad asked, but you know, core on one hand in the portal, core John Cooch hasn't really done much for you he's, he's they moved the ball relatively well yesterday right but you, you got to give him credit and this is more of a recruiting and a talent evaluation thing i mean they look again he had his struggles last night but right now they look smart for going after jameel reynolds in the portal and he he had a, a few good games in his two seasons at ucf but you know that was one guy in the in the preseason where you know we heard it from jimmy hey UCF told us if you can get him in shape, if you can improve him, he's a future pro. I'm not putting him in the draft yet, but he can clearly play. So that's been and he has taken his conditioning seriously too. Yeah. Like I, I, I want to give him his flowers for that. Friday, like we were right there on the baseline and next to Temple's bench. Like Jimmy checks on Jamil all game long. And mm-hmm. like now Jamil was putting together more stretches of minutes where he's telling Jimmy, No, I'm good. I'll let you know mm-hmm. when I need one. Keep core on the bench. Um which is good for Temple because the the less core Jankic, the better. I'm sorry. I, I know it's been what six games, but I, I I'll 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 say it. He he's a swinging miss. He, he can't he can't play basketball at this level. I'm I mean, sorry. I think I think all we gotta do is look at Nick Jordan to say that hey, you shouldn't make uh bold claims after six game sample sizes. That, like, I, I hear yeah, Kyle. <laughs> I know, but like with this one. No, I mean I don't. I, don't, I feel I don't, real confident. You just have I don't to disagree. Find his role. Yeah, I feel like his role is what it is at this point. Like he got, he's outshadowed by Jamil Reynolds. Like mm-hmm. period. Like they took two swings at it and they hit, a, let's say, a double on one of them. They struck out so far on the other. Like he just he hasn't been able to do. But like, I think he's like, like, I don't think he's a strikeout that worked the count though, Kyle. Like I think he was three up and three down strikeout. Like <laughs> offensively, it is four on five with Core out there. And so, defensively, so far. It's, it's okay. So but... far. I mean, in the end, like, you're still talking to some guy who essentially averaged, like, a double-double for a, like, fringe-ish NCAA team. So, like, I don't fault them for taking, like, a one-year guy at a position that they needed depth at. Oh, yeah. Like, he just hasn't been able to do what they hoped he was going to do, which is basically, like, score on lobs and stuff. Even, like, as soon as the ball comes to his hands, he looks like he's like, ah, I don't know what to do with it. You know, one and... shot in the last 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. the last 64 minutes, he's taken one shot, yeah. which is like, not I, ideal. I, I'm, 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 I, I hate to come off as the hot take guy. I really do. But here it comes. But, but. but like, <laughs> I'm kind of ready to see Opomo get some minutes again. Because I don't think Opomo I necessarily think him. that's a hot take. Like, because like, he didn't look lost to me last year. He just couldn't stay in shape. He played he like eighteen minutes. <laughs> that's the point. Like, that's the thing. It was a small sample size. But like in that small sample size, he didn't look lost. He just looked out of shape and undisciplined. I mean, it's not an injury. Going, it's neck health. Too. Yeah, health and is too. a thing with him. Um, I think you're still gonna see him. Like, I think especially once again in conference play, like he's a matchup dependent big. They like they say they say they want to run and like you can't run without Pomo. No. That doesn't mean one that they actually run because they usually don't. And two, like I think you'll see him against. Mm-hmm. I'm sure UCF has another big man that they'll roll out that Akpomo will have to go against. All right, yeah, so we're gonna zip through like... these. We're gonna zip through these next couple here because we got some some football to touch on too. Um, 
P. Furmai, there's a screen name here. Do you think if Jeremiah Williams stayed at Temple and didn't get injured, this would be a better overall team? It seems like we lost the head of the snake on D without him on top of Jaleel White, unable to stay out of foul trouble. We should note that, again, I don't think he went in the game last night. Jaleel White did not play last night, has struggled on offense, but is still one of their top defensive players. If Jeremiah Williams stays, what's going on? Yeah, they're a better team if you add a you're a, a top defender who's also has two years mm. of experience running the offensive point guard. Like, yeah, they're a better team. I think then you would see Isaiah off the bench. Yeah. Um, you probably see even less minutes for Shane Dazoni than you do Ooh. now. Who looks lost so far? Yeah. He, he just looks timid. I wouldn't even say he lost. hasn't played. He, he looks like yeah. somebody just has not played meaningful yeah. college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. No, with Jay Will, I don't, I don't know if they have a loss right now, like not to be over exaggerated, but like all of their problems, he did a lot to like, fix last year ran the offense protected the ball played defense on the best ball handling i think they still would have lost the st john's game you, you believe um, so yeah i mean i think i completely agree with i think they would have um they would have been like montez mathis like is available to get off the way he did if if jay will was there because that's yeah. his matchup then yeah i mean it's fair but I, th- I think st john's is just like a good enough team they're like like also like this isn't happening in a like a, a silo or a petri dish, right? Like if you add Jeremy, Jeremy, if you add Jer- Jeremiah Williams to this, like also teams can adjust for Jeremiah Williams. So right. like they would have played that differently, but no, I, I still think they would have been like maybe five and one or something like that. I um, that. Yeah. In the end, like Jeremiah Williams left. So like, this isn't something that happened to them in September. It happened to them in April. He left in April and they've had seven months to practice and learn to grow without Jeremiah Williams there. And this is what they've done. Like, uh, I, I, can't, I, I get that. Like, literally, you're probably three plays away from being like five and one. Like, I get that, but they're not. Like, they, like they've, they've lost four of their first six games. So, like, I try to just avoid playing like, well, if they had done that and if that, and they didn't. Can't go back in time. Right. All right. We'll finish out the basketball portion of the mailbag here with this uh, screen name Corona Tuesday, a new poster on the board. How do you guys feel about one of Temple star players posting their individual highlights to social media 30 minutes after that horrendous loss to Richmond? I, 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 I didn't see anything like that. If you're referring to, looks like somebody, what, what do we see here? It looks like somebody tagged Caleb Battle on something. Yeah, like Corona Tuesday. Thanks for the support. Yeah. Keep but commenting I, and keep yeah. listening. But like, if, if a dude is getting tagged on Instagram of like a play, and he posts it like that is just normal. Yeah, I think that's today. an unfair leap to say that yeah. that Caleb Battle like rushed to his phone and was immediately looking to post his highlights. Yeah. Like, like if he also had if he had somebody there to record him and make a highlight tape and then he posted it, that'd be a problem. But this one is yeah, um like once again, thanks for the support, but it's 2022. That's yeah, also, out. yeah, I, I was gonna say that. Like I'm sure anybody that's ever tweeted about a football player or a basketball player during a game. Um, that gets any traction realizes that 10 minutes after that game ends, those guys are searching their own names and stuff too. Like that's just kind of like 2022 athletes mm-hmm. is yeah. Like you're going to see like, like double football can lose by 30, but you comment on so-and-so making a good tackle for a loss. And all of a sudden you get likes and retweets of that 10 minutes after the final whistle. So mm-hmm. these things happen. All right. We do have a temple football team to talk about the, to close things out here. We won't go on and on about the Cincinnati loss other than, you know, it was fine. They, <laughs> like, they, uh, 13 first downs, 167 yards of total offense, and a, and a 23-3 loss, mm, 1.8 yards mm, per rush. Mm, mm. 
No, they had like two hundred two yards of offense because they had one hundred sixty seven passing and then thirty five net rush. Right. I'm loading my. Thing I think up. Kyle was right with two hundred two. Yeah. I think it's. All right, we do have a Temple football team to talk about to close things out here. We won't get too far into the weeds on the Cincinnati loss here. We'll talk a little bit more about ECU and then what's ahead for the program in general. But yeah, not much going at all in the in the in the Cincinnati game. Not much offense. 200, well, 200 yards of total offense. Two hundred two. Two hundred two. Good highway. Great, great highway. I don't know. Can you say any highway in Pennsylvania is great? Probably has some some potholes somewhere. Oh, um, most certainly. <laughs> but. Uh, since he's defense forced four turnovers, not much going there at all. Um, no Darian Varner in that game. Leighton Jordan had two and a half sacks, so he's up to nine this season. He's tied with uh, Ivan Pace for second in the league, just behind Navy's John Marshall, who's leading the American with ten and a half sacks. But um, just really stonewalled on both fronts there. Um, now you're just trying to close out the season on a high note, honoring the seniors, and then it's after – Saturday, the coaches will be hitting the road again to keep their keep their verbal commitments in place, try to fill out anybody else that's gonna sign next month in December. ECU six and five. They've they've lost two in a row, uh, including just getting routed by Houston last week, 42 to three after they had played Cincinnati tough in a 27-25 loss. How do you see how do you guys see things? playing out Saturday. I mean, ECU's played really, really well in some stretches this year. Holton Naylor's feels like he's been at, at, at ECU. That dude's 27 years old. Yeah. He's, <laughs> uh, he's eligible for retirement pretty soon. He's, he's been there a long time, but he's, he's thrown for almost 3,100 yards. Keaton Mitchell's having another thousand yard season. Uh, Isaiah Winstead's a pretty good wide receiver. I mean, they're, I, I think they're, I shouldn't it just, you know, Temple's coming off a bad game, but ECU has been a tricky team this year. It all depends on how they have not met their expectations. They have not met their expectations. Yeah. Um, Mm. How healthy and motivated is Temple going to be on Saturday? No, I want to flesh that out. What was what ECU hasn't met their expectations? No, I feel like the consensus of like American Athletic Conference media expected them to be better than six and six this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, six and five at this point in the year. I, I I don't know. I feel like they were supposed to be better this season. Well, I mean, coming as an AAC media member, I I put very little value into the opinions of AAC media members. But <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I think that's fairish. I think I think Mike Hughes has done a good job there. I think they were pretty bad when he took over. Yeah, like the end of the Scotty Montgomery era. Like Scotty Montgomery was a waste. They should have never fired Ruffin McNeil. Um, like I can, I think seven and five is fine for them. I think Mike Houston is going to get another job. I don't know if it's this year. If Dave Doran lo- leaves NC State, I think he'd be perfect there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I just a bot. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Finish up. Finish up. No, now. you're good. I was going to pivot back to the actual game if you want to talk. Oh, um, no, I was just going to add something that, uh, you know, not to sound rude, but guys <laughs> over the age of 24 still playing collegiate athletics. I'm going to just tell you straight up because I love you and nobody else will tell you. Give it up. Hang it up. Yeah, It's over. You're not going yeah. pro. You have your master's degree already. I'm sure of it. And if you don't, then you got bigger fish to fry. Like, give it up. Move out the way. Life goes on beyond ball playing. What you can do with that ball matters very little in the grand scheme of things once you're finished playing. 
Not many people will give a damn, but you can do with the ball in your hands. There, there is more that makes you a person. Give it up. In fairness, in fairness, that, 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 that the young guy, like <laughs> that, that the young guy. No, I know, but you just making that joke made. Yeah. I'm, no, you're you right. Just brought it up, like Mr. 26 year old DeAndre Williams playing small forward or power forward down at Memphis. Like, right. yeah, at that point, it's time to give it up. You don't you, you let somebody else get their opportunity. You're done. There was a there was like a TikTok of like. When like the six year defensive back tells you they need to lock somebody down, it's gonna be like, Why don't you lock down a job application? Yeah, like, like, like get you, you just can't cut it. Go lock down yeah. somebody your age, you know. Oh like God. I'm a kid at this point compared to you. If only you I mean, could have like, had this conversation with the Eagles before they drafted Danny Watkins. Yeah. He was older, it's, right? He was twenty six, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's um it's like basketball last year when Zach Hicks was seventeen years old at one point, defending twenty four year olds, right? On Houston, like oh. oh well. Um I think it's entirely a vibe game. Like, I think you just want to leave the season in, like, better feelings. I think the Cincinnati game was just kind of, like, okay. Like, if you had told me beforehand, like, they're going to lose 23 to 3, I'd be like, okay. I'd sign off on that because, like, they don't get, like, they didn't get manhandled by a bad Cincinnati offense. They actually forced a Cincinnati quarterback change, whether it's through injury or lack of performance. Ben Bryan did not finish the game. Um, I think it was fine. This year coming to this, I think one, a couple storylines to follow is who's actually walking on senior day. Not that that means anything. Like you, we in twenty twenty, Randall Jones, William Quenku, and Fred Johnson all Quenka. Up. Quenka. He didn't tell us that yet at the point at that time though in twenty twenty. <laughs> um, like they all walked on Senior Day and then they came back the next year anyway. So like it doesn't prevent you from using your eligibility. But there's gonna be guys out there that is this the last time you see a Temple? Is this Leighton Jordan leave after this because he's going to be a graduate like does he enter um the draft or does he enter the portal or anything like that i think that's interesting stat wise i mean ej warner still has the chance to set some records he could set the completion attempts in a single season record he can probably get into like the top four for passing Leighton jordan has a chance at like if he had a a monster game tying hassan reddick and dan klecko for the most tackles for a loss in the season like you're just looking for stuff like that right the game itself does not matter if they go out and lose 60 to nothing to ECU on senior day, then that probably enters the offseason with bad taste in your mouth. But one thing I do want to call out is the the staff cannot go on the road this week to secure up verbal commitments next week. Is it dead that they've made the, right. they, have the dead, they have the dead period and then eventually is is we turn to a little bit further December. into to December. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the NCAA changed that in the last couple of years with that week after the regular season they used to be during championship week if you weren't in the championship like you can just go hit the road and you do that and now it's kind of like well sure of your own team because the portal for fbs opens up december 5th so that's why you're seeing guys enter the portal now all of them are fcs because it's based upon when the championships get announced and the fcs has already announced this playoff bracket so like that's when things are really going to start you know cooking with gas i think is that like two weeks stretch two-week stretch from December 5th through signing day on the 21st or whatever, where that's when you're going to start seeing a lot of, of movement on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I got to the point where I'm doing speculative follows. I'm like, oh, this wide receiver from Wagner played for Preston Brown's 7v7 team, and he was pretty good. So maybe there's a connection there. I'm doing speculative follows. We're getting ready for recruiting season. Recruiting. Basketball basketball falling off just sparks my, my recruiting coverage. So that's what we're doing. Caden will be back in prime form. Um, no, you you brought up Wade and Jordan. Uh, like I think we we all agree he has to go straight to the draft, right? Like I think for me, he's got two different streaks of three games without recording a sack 
when I see that, I'm like, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to risk going power five and it not working out. Like, I think for me personally, I'd advise him declare because I don't think power five is going to do anything for you. Well, I think it's important in that stretch that he was still making like TFLs. And he right? was like, yeah, like he was still making his impact. And one of those, uh, one of those stretches, I think he also had, you know, one of his pick sixes. So like, yeah, like I agree with, I don't, I think he's kind of in that no man's land of either you declare and like, you hope you become like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick mm-hmm. and you go from there. Or I think you come back to temple because I think if you're just like leaving for like, okay, I want NIL money to go to whatever Pitt, West Virginia, Arkansas, wherever. I think you would make more money just declaring and like trying to get drafted, figuring that out. than you would get from NIL. Like he's yeah. not such a massively great player that someone's like, okay, this is Jordan Addison. Like we're going to give him $2 billion from the transfer. Like that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, so it's got to be right fit for him. Like if he right. goes to a power five, like if it's i I'm literally just going to pick any, like it could be, you know, Virginia tech could be West Virginia, could be whatever school. And they're like, Oh, this kid from temple, Leighton Jordan's pretty good. He's going to be depth here. We'll tell him he can come in and compete, but if it's a bad fit for him, he could absolutely hurt his draft stock. Do I think he's a do I think he's a day 1, day 2 pick if he declares now? No. We'll see what kind of evaluation he gets, but yeah, this, he could make the wrong move and lose himself some money, I think. I think regardless yeah, I, think I think you see him declare and go through that process like that, Quincy Rochet went through smart. where like you get like the hey, if you were if this was to happen today, you would be a fifth round pick or whatever. I don't think he's going to I would think his two options are draft or stay. Because mm-hmm. I, I think you, I mean, you look at a guy like Quincy, love Quincy Roche. He did not help his draft stock by going to Miami. No. He got drafted the exact same spot he would have gotten drafted if he had stayed at Temple mm-hmm. or declared after Temple, rather. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I the, think, thing, look, the thing with Lato is his size, right? Like, does that prevent him from the NFL? Like, he's not a, a defensive end in the NFL. He's going to have to be an outside linebacker, I think. And that becomes kind of, I know you got two pick sixes, but are you confident in the NFL with him? Dropping back like the Eagles drop Reddit back a fair amount. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, no, I think Lido's best option is just declare, go through the pro test well. Like, like he's got to, his his thing's going to come down to his test numbers. Test great mm-hmm. at pro day, test good at the combine, and hope you get a round five, six, seven phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I don't want to undermine like what he did. Like he had a, he did exactly what he needed to do this year. Hell he was. Season. Like, like he had a hell of a season. He stood out on defense. He stayed healthy. Best ability is availability, right? Like he's played every game. Darian Varner is out for the season. So like there goes like the other like star of this defense. If he goes out there and he finishes with look, like he gets a sack and two TFLs this, this week and he finishes with 10 sacks and 20 tackles for a loss. Like that's only been done like once at Temple. So the fact that you're putting yourself in that company is impressive. Since we didn't get any football mailback questions, I want to pose one to you guys. Mm-hmm. If you were in charge of this roster and you could add like three positions to this team, what do you what do you target in the transfer portal or recruiting? Like who are you adding to this team? Not players, obviously, like what positions? Running what's back. What's on your what's on your Christmas list, essentially, is my question. Uh a left tackle, a running back, and I guess a wide receiver. Yeah, I think I'm with John. I love defense, but I think like when you go off of need, you kind of let the defense rock out where it is and go with that, unless you replace receiver with corner. Yeah, for the sake of being different, I would say left tackle 
And no, you got to give the running backs a chance, too. So I, I'll say left tackle, corner, and receiver. How about that? I think I'm going left tackle, left guard, center. Like I, I think yeah. if you if you could just like plug in three like guys that are startable at yeah, this level on the, offens- on the offensive, yeah, like center is Wisdom Corsi playing center next year. Richard That's Rodriguez cool. technically has a year of eligibility, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, but it's also like he has he he has to stay healthy and yeah, he's got a knee issue. Yeah, um, I, I think you probably feel okay with like Victor Stoffel. Um, like he's played fine. I just think like if you can show up this offensive line, like that helps that team so much. Like wide receivers, like. If, if people come, if everyone comes back, they're supposed to come back, which I don't know if they're going to. Like, you have some proven commodities there and Anderson, Jose, and I guess say Baines to an extent now. Like, I feel like you could kind of piece that together. Real yeah, give quick. me left tackle, center, and corner. Thanks for saying that, Kyle. Real, real quick. Um, just heading into Saturday's game, Donica Sanders uh, and Wiz are day to day. Stan Drayton said they're continuing to recover from injuries. Mod Anderson's going to be back from his, you know, his one game. Suspension. Do we do we want to make predictions off of Saturday? Because sure. yeah. I got a, a question to pose to you guys too. I think uh, Donald plays number one because he's proven every time that he can at least take a few snaps. He's going to go out there and play. And it's his senior day. I'd put money on him playing. Um, yeah, I wish they got four years out of him. Like the mm-hmm. fact that the fact that Temple fans only got to see him for like eight nine games is a shame because mm-hmm. yeah. that dude is. If you could put uh, Adonikas Sanders' mentality into this basketball team, that would probably help. Yes, he did play some basketball. He does. He has a rivals basketball. Has a rivals account. profile. <laughs> every time we, uh, every time we uh, tag him in stories, both it's like six three forward from South Carolina. One of these days, I'm gonna. One of these days, I'm gonna tag him with his basketball recruiting profile, and someone get a laugh out of it. <laughs> his brother Sydney was a pretty damn good player in, in the Carolinas. Hmm. It's good knowledge on your part. That is yeah. very good knowledge. What about predictions? I'll say good vibe, bad result. I'll say ECU 31, Temple 24, 27, 27. And then they enter enter the the offseason with the crap. We got a lot of holes to plug here. I think this is a game where Drayton says the last game of the season. I'm going to be aggressive. I want to win. And either a fourth down or a two-point conversion call costs them. And uh, Temple loses. 20 to 20 to 18 something nasty like that <laughs> that would be a nasty result <laughs> that would be like a bad vibes and bad, bad fact, 20 to 19 to make things more spicy Ooh. yeah Ooh. make it spicy 20 to 19 he goes for two <laughs> goes for two to win it and loses the the two point fails the two point oh, oh i could see that i could see that happening i think i'm gonna lose 24 21 for for whatever it's worth um here here's a, a question i wanted to ask you guys to to, to close things out um, give me a player on each side of the ball, because again, we're not going to break down this game on and on here. I think it's more about thinking about the future with this team. Give me a player that we're going to be oh, talking real about. quick, real quick, real quick, yeah. real quick. This, I mean, I don't think this is like official official, but like the fact that these are the guys that are like, uh, broadcasting that they are going to honor on Saturday. Some mm-hmm. of these guys still have eligibility left, which is probably pretty telling. Um, Adam Klein makes sense. Donica Sanders, Zach Gill, Isaac Moore, Luke Foster. Those are all guys that are out of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Cadis Reeves still has eligibility, senior day. Evan Boozer still has eligibility, senior day. Cam Ruiz out of eligibility. Deshaun Winston still has eligibility, senior day. Ron Gaines lost his job in long snapper, still has eligibility, senior day. 
Jalen Ware is out of eligibility. I think Mackenzie Morgan might actually have a year because of weird COVID rules, but they're advertising him and TJ uh, Pergine or Pergine, who's the walk-on uh, quarterback. So there's some handful of guys in there. Deshaun Winston, Cadis Reims, Evan Boozer, that this might be. But you don't see Lane Jordan's name on there. You don't see Jose Barbon's name on there. Mm-hmm. TJ Pergine, um, interesting guy. He played at millersville before transferring here i believe uh i think that but um yeah like give me interesting a guy give me a player on each side of the ball that we're going to be talking about at this juncture of next season that we're going to be talking about as like guy that made big strides next season hmm. so i'm trying to envision like where the opportunities are going to be um so like in my mind right off my bat i go okay well there's probably a starting safety job up for grabs there's always spots in the defensive line i'm gonna say i still think Corey palmer is just too good of an athlete to not find a spot on this team um like he's played offense he's played defense he's played special teams i'll say maybe he gets in that role of kind of like that flex safety corner and maybe you're talking about him i don't think all of a sudden he's going to be a nfl player next year bob mentioned him on offense I'm kind of liking what I see out of Zay Baines so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of a sudden, if, you know, Dono gone, Juan Mathis might move on. You never know. Jose Barbon might move on. You never know. I think there's going to be plenty of catches to go around. I think you're going to see him as like, oh, that's a guy that caught 50 balls in 2023. What do you think, Javon? Uh, I think I, I, I'm i not going to Corey Palmer. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Um, ooh. Oof. I think probably Balanchama Kamara, we can see breakout. Um, it's the same thing, though, of like who's he starting over? You're right. Right. That's the question. But I think he, like, when he gets on the field, he makes some pretty decent plays for the team. Yeah. Half of it's opportunity, though. So, like, that that's what concerns me with him. Like, yeah, he started last week. And, like, yeah, he had a shot there. And he played well against Rutgers. But, like, if Lane Jordan comes back, then, like, where are your snaps? Right. Uh, and I think offensively, yeah, Zay Baines is the the cheat answer, right? I, I, I next year, I'll tell you this though. I, I I need to see less David Martin Robinson. I knew you were gonna say that, yeah. And way more Jordan Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what you feel like DMR's accomplished or he's some leader in the locker room. Y'all know me. I quite frankly don't give a damn. Who's out there producing on Saturday? It's Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith's the best tight end on this roster by far. I don't care. Like, okay, he can't block too well. Put some muscle <laughs> he on him. He can't do 70% of the position. <laughs> listen, 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 here's my also, thing. Also, keep in mind, David Moore Robinson had 114 yards in that tutty like a week and a half ago. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you, but like, congratulations. Woo-hoo. But I'm going off the full <laughs> season. It, 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 Jordan Smith's about a tight end. You want to you make him block, put some muscle on him, and make him work out with Reza Hand all, all winter. Like, it, it, there's some, there's ways around this. You can fix him as a blocker. That's not the worst thing. That's not the hardest thing in the world to do. But. I have heard from literally court of people that, that like, coach that position that, no, no it's not as simple as that. Oh, <laughs> but okay. okay. Well, okay. Well, I'll go to you on this one. But I, like me, I think you give it a try. Either way, less DMR, more Jordan Smith. EJ has proven he can throw. And Jordan Smith has proven he is a damn good target. Spread the offense out. Let EJ slink it out and let Jordan Smith catch some touchdowns. 
I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like I think they can both just play. They play a lot of two tight end sets. Yeah, they can. But when you when you when you're in those, you know, three by ones and you know one tight end sets. And like the one tight end Jordan, Jordan Jordan moves off the off the line a fair amount. Like yeah. they use him out of the slot. Like I think he's gotten plenty of opportunities. Sure. Like has he has he flashed? Yeah, absolutely. But I think DMR's flashed at times as well. I I I mean I had the same answer on offense, say Baines. I I'm intrigued by I don't know. I mean, I know we started to see a little bit more time. Again, I agree. Who's he going to start over at a deep position? Antoine Santiago was a guy that they yeah. that they really like, and he was for I guess like silently committed to Rod's staff, and the and the new staff liked him. He's got great size at that position. He's a true freshman. He's starting to see some snaps here and there. Um, I think they're in good hands at that at that linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Um, I, between him, maybe a Sam Martin. At safety, Sam Martin uh, returned kicks last week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting. Here's what I'll say about kind of that is I I don't think the defense is that bad to be mm-hmm. honest. Like I think they have enough talent. I think the scheme's fine. I think they like have like they had five and a half sacks again or five whatever five sacks against Cincinnati. Like that's pretty good. I think the issue is that like the offense is not set up in a way to help the defense. Like the fact that they cannot have sustained drives at times and they have these three and outs and like even when they are productive, it's usually like six play drives mm-hmm. that they just happen to get productive on. Like that just wears the defense down. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden they they boost this offensive line and they're able to have these 14 play drives that take up seven minutes, the the defense is gonna look a lot better. One other guy I think we could, I mean, that we could be talking about on offense. Mark Grove on defense is another guy that kind yeah. of sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. A late addition. Mm-hmm. Um, on offense, if he can stay healthy, James Famineau, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on the offensive line, it, whether it's at one of the guard positions, it, you can maybe push him out to tackle. We'll see, but I don't know. Anyway. there got plenty of opportunities there for, for old London James. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, thanks for sticking with us for a, a long episode, a very full mailbag. Hope you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful holiday with your families. And uh, any closing thoughts? Any words of wisdom, guys? Stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, vegans, stay away from me tomorrow. I don't want to hear your. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to eat all of this animal, <laughs> and I'm going to have a good time doing it. Javon just coming to the vegan community. You, you, you will not vegans that you around there just yeah. still critiquing you. you like just at like an out of nowhere shot. Like Javon's I'm like, I'm just, I'm just saying in general, they always come out around Thanksgiving and have something to say. And and damn it, I just don't care. With all Do you live respect. in a King of Queens episode? Like I, I eat Thanksgiving <laughs> with a vegan every year and I, I never get any guff for, <laughs> for eating meat around them. Hey, hey listen, 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 I'm just saying in case they're out there and they're listening. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to eat my turkey. Scoop is, the scoop is very big. Feel, I'm not going to feel bad about it. We I'm going to enjoy it very much. Very big in the vegan community, the scoop. Yeah. Well, there's probably a vegan that listens to us. I think they're allowed to have their opinions. We're allowed to have ours. Wait, oh, who's yes. The, who's the vegan that you eat Thanksgiving with? My brother's a vegan. My brother's been a vegan for 20, 20 years. Oh, wow. God bless his heart. Ooh, we. Well, that takes a lot of self-restraint. That's that. I, I respect that. I really do. Ooh. Just don't, just don't come around though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you soon.